You ever, you ever smelled something and like a, a flood of memories came back? Right? You ever, you ever seen something and it just reminded you of a whole ton of things? Of, of maybe, maybe time gone? Right? How many of you have ever watched the Andy Griffith show? Right? If you hear that whistle, what happens? Man, it just takes you back, doesn't it? Takes you back to, to cane pole fishing, right? It just takes you back. Like, that's, just, that's just what memories do. They take you back. Well, this morning, in our text, Paul is going to do something very similar. He's going to take us back to, for him and remind Timothy and remind the church of Ephesus what the gospel does and the purpose of the gospel. He's going to reminisce for a moment, and we're going to go back and reminisce with him. But it's a, it's a hard challenge this morning. Um, Paul's going to, he's going to tell us that the, the gospel changes us. He's going to tell us that the gospel reminds us. And then he's going to, to kind of get, go, okay, now that you know those things, it's time to buckle in, and it's time to roll. And, and then he's going to say that the gospel charges us, and then ultimately he's going to say that the gospel disciplines us. And that's hard. And it's tough. But we're going to talk about it this morning because it's God's word. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to roll this out this morning. And so when we reminisce and we kind of look at uh, what Paul's saying here and the, 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 the reminders, what we have to understand, and this is our simply aim this morning is that the gospel changes our lives to show the world Jesus the gospel changes your life and it changes my life so that the world may see Jesus not so that you may be lifted high not so that you may get all the glory not so that you may go hey look at me I'm doing pretty good it's so that the world may see Jesus you see, the gospel changes all of us so that the world may see Jesus, not Oak Grove Baptist Church. And so the, this morning, Paul is going to reminisce and he's going to tell us some things. And 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12, says this, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul says, hey, Timothy, hey, church at Ephesus, listen. This is who I formerly was. And so right off the bat, we see that the gospel changes us. And, and Paul says, this is who I was. I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor. And so I think it's, it's beneficial for us to go back to Acts chapter 22 and read Paul's testimony as he's declaring it. Look, verse chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus and Cilicia, 
but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, is all you, who all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in hands, in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. And, and so, so Paul lays out who he was, right? He's a Jew, but what we know to be true is that Paul's also a Roman citizen. He, he, he trained under a guy named Gamaliel, and Gamaliel was, at the time, um, the, the greatest rabbi that, that Paul could have ever been selected by to follow him. And, and so by this fact alone, we know that Paul was incredibly intellectual, that Paul was in, incredible studious that he knew and understood Old Testament law for Gamaliel to select because rabbis would select young Jewish boys who, who, would, who would rise to the top as they went through school and for Gamaliel to, to go Paul you're going to Saul you're going to follow me was a massive deal and so Paul says hey this is who I was I knew the law and, and, and he even in admittedly says I was zealous for the law and for the things of God and in Paul's mind he thought he was doing the right thing he did he thought that he had it together he thought that that, that what he was doing and persecuting those of the way was the right godly thing to do he even says in, in 1 Timothy I did all these things out of the ignorance well what does ignorance mean not knowing right but, oh, come on. But come on, sometimes we come to church and, and, and do the right things, don't we? we? We check off the things. And we say, yep, I'm good. Man, I've done really good most of my life. I missed a couple of Sundays here and there, but I did pretty good. And you know, as a pastor, one of my biggest fears is, is that, is that you think that having a relationship with Jesus only changes your weekly schedule. And it doesn't. It changes everything about who you are. And so Paul's going to say and go, in verse 6, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. 
And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed to you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to, te- to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to every one of you who have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So this is Paul's story. And he he has this experience with Jesus. And what we know to be true for the rest of Paul's life was complete and total abandonment and surrender to Jesus. He went to city after city after city, proclaiming the gospel, planting churches. And declaring Jesus, not Paul. You see, the gospel changes us, church. Understanding and and meeting Jesus and, and understanding that he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for your sins and mine and then put in a tomb and three days later he rose again declaring victory over death as we sang, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. For what he has done. And when we understand that gospel, it changes us. It doesn't just change our weekly schedule. It changes who we are. Paul thought he was doing all the right things. But then he met Jesus and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It changed who he was. It changed how he act. It changes what you do and how you live your life. So look, it changes what you do with your money. Like, oh, preacher, stop talking about money. I'm just telling you, it changes what you do with your money. It changes what you do with your time. It changes the priorities you have in your life. gospel changes us we go from living this way to living this way we go from 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 being me focused to god what do you want god what are you saying to me today see the gospel changes us and 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 paul says this is that i used to be a blasphemer but i received mercy because i'd acted ignorantly in unbelief And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So the gospel changes us. But listen to this. The gospel also reminds us. The gospel reminds us. Look what he says in verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Paul says this because um, Paul is, is... 
we've, we've learned this before at the beginning, is that Paul oftentimes had to combat some people who were like, oh, I'm not sure if you're who you say you are type things. And so Paul's saying, hey, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, meaning that you can trust it and know it to be true. But what does he say? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I don't think any of you just heard what he said. This is trustworthy and a full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is where you say a hearty, there you go. Wake up. Come on. Let's go. And then Paul says, of who I'm the foremost. There's nothing good about me. And I'm thankful that Jesus came to save sinners just like me. And it's a solid reminder for you and I. It's a solid reminder for you and I. Every single day. Instead of getting up and looking in the mirror and going, man, I'm doing pretty good. We look in the mirror and God, thank you, Jesus, that you saved a sinner like me. Paul's going to go on. He's going to say, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Not only is it a reminder for, for you and me to be thankful that Jesus came to save sinners, it's also a reminder that it's not about me. Paul says he did this so that, that, that there would be a, a, an example of perfect patience. I'm like, y'all, you're killing me this morning, right? It, it, Paul's going, it's not about me. It's so that everyone may see Jesus. And man, in the self-centered culture we live in, don't we need that reminder every moment of every day? Like, if you're on social media at all, like, there's bound to be an ad that pops up about something you've been talking about. Okay, some of y'all are like, I'm not on social media. Liar, right? You may, you may have talked about something, and, like, you're scrolling, and you're like, why is that on my... I, I was having that comment. It's, it's creepy, let's just all admit. Like, somebody's always listening. But listen, social media in and of itself has made life about you. And, and, and we show the best parts of us on social media. Paul's saying, as a reminder to you and I, it's not about us. It's about the fame and the renown of Jesus Christ. It's about him. It's about him. Look, I, I've had multiple people ask me this week about what I think about um, the revivals in Asbury, Seminary, Asbury College and, and, and Lee College and, and, and the revival that's sweeping across the nation. We love to critique everything. 
even an act of God. Even when it's a movement of God. We want to say, well, this might be, why can't we just sit back and go, God, you're incredible. I'm so glad that your name is getting media attention. I'm so glad that the name of Jesus is being lifted high. I'm so glad that people are repenting and coming to you. Like, why can't we do that? We can't because we constantly need the reminder that it's not about us, and it never has been. And Paul tells us, I am the foremost so that God's perfect patience may be on display because of Jesus. So the gospel reminds us so then Paul does this. He, he, ends the dox, he ends with the doxology in verse 17. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Close it up. Right? Paul closes it up. Timothy, I just want you to be reminded that the gospel changes lives. And let it be a reminder to you, Timothy, that it is always about the name of Jesus. That's what it's about. And then he says, strap up. Buckle in, because now we're going. Verse 18, the charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. And we'll stop right there. The, the third thing is this, is that the gospel charges us. The gospel charges us. He says, hey, here's, here's what the gospel does. Here's what it reminds us of. Now buckle in, and here's what it charges you to do. Get after it. Timothy, I'm entrusting you. I charge you, and I entrust you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. What, what Paul's referring to, most scholars believe, is that, that um, is referring to Paul, Timothy's call on his life, that, um, that there were, the apostles were around, and, and anytime there's, they're talking about the call of someone, the apostles were around, and, and they, they pronounced some things over Timothy. We don't have those in writing. We don't know what they specifically were, but what we do to know to be true is that Timothy had some giftings. Timothy had some things that they saw in him and said, hey, you are going to make an incredible pastor, Timothy, and so we're going to send you. But this is what I entrust to you, Timothy, is that the gospel may encourage you, right? Holding faith and a good conscience. And so it charges us. Look, church, our faith is not a joke. It's not something that we take lightly. And, and we're, we are charged throughout all of Scripture, you and I. We are charged, we are sent to go and take the gospel everywhere at every moment. And we are going to be held accountable for that. You are going to be held accountable for when you shared the gospel and when you did not. You're like, oh, time out, time out, time out, time out. 
That's not how God made me. Yes, he did. If you, and I've said this again and again, if you know Jesus, then you have enough information to tell someone about Jesus. That's what it's about. And so, so Paul tells this young pastor, Timothy, at this church at Ephesus, who's dealing with a lot of junk, false teachers, all of these things he's dealing with. He says, I'm, in char- I'm charging you. I'm entrusting you with the gospel. Take it, Timothy. Be faithful with it. And the question this morning is, for you and I, are we taking the charge seriously? The thing that we've been entrusted with, are we carrying it faithfully? Who are you going to share the gospel with this week? Who are you going to, this week, declare the truth of God's word to? To tell them that they are a sinner. That Jesus Christ died for their sins. On a, on a horrible cross. But three days later, he rose again, declaring victory over death. And that they can have eternal life. Who are you going to tell that to? you will answer for that and so will I so Paul charges Timothy but the gospel not only charges us it does this the gospel disciplines us look what happens he says at the end of verse 19 by rejecting this some have made shipwreck of their faith among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. So the gospel disciplines us. Um, church discipline is, is clear within Scripture. It's something that we fail to practice a lot of times. And everybody's like really sitting on the edge of their seat right now. It's like, ooh, goodness, here we go. But listen, it, it, it's clear in Scripture. They practiced it. It's clear that we should practice church discipline, okay? Um, and so hear what Paul is doing here. Um, it's like, what does it mean for him to hand them over to Satan? Well, um, that's a phrase that doesn't happen that often within Scripture, but what, what, what we believe to be true about this phrase is that Paul um, set them outside of the church without the protection of the church, Okay? Because they have um, chosen to do whatever they've done, he set them outside of the church. He said, you can't have fellowship with the church. So guess what? Outside of the fellowship of the church, you are at the, the, the hands and the whims of the enemy. Okay? So that's what Paul's doing. So why? Why would you do that? Right? Preachers, there's, there's grace, though. If I mess up, there's grace. Yeah, there is grace. But what we have done over, over centuries within the church, and really probably m- mostly in the last 20 years, what we've done in the church is we've said, oh, it's okay, come on in, right? A- and we've made cheap the beautiful gift of grace. And church, grace is not cheap. It costs God his son it's costly. It's not cheap. 
And so here's the reality for, for you and I when it talks about the gospel disciplining us. We fall away from the faith when we don't do the first three, three things we talked about. When we don't let the gospel change us and we don't let the gospel remind us and we don't let the gospel daily, daily charge us to go, when we don't do those things, what happens is we fall away from the faith. And we start living our lives however we see fit. And we start doing whatever we want. And there are times, yes, that it is beneficial for the church to step in and go, hey, time out. Your life is not reflective of what you're declaring to everyone else. You want to come in here and and, and declare Jesus as king, and then Monday through Saturday, go live your life and be out doing whatever and throwing up on social media, whatever, and it, it is completely and totally reflective of the world, expect somebody in our church. Expect a leader. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Expect a pastor. Accept someone to come to you and go, hey, as a, as a friendly, loving reminder in discipline, your life is off. And look, that act in and of itself is grace. Because it's out of love and out of a heart to bring you back to the Father. And look, we've all been there. And I'm not sitting up here going, man, we're going to kick you out of the church. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. But there is accountability for you and I because our faith is not a joke. And Paul knew that. And walking with Jesus is not easy. It's hard. If it was easy, everybody would do it. That's just the reality. But church, we're called. If you are going to declare Jesus as king, you are called to walk with him in faithfulness. And you're called every day to remember that the gospel changes you, not just your weekly schedule. That the gospel reminds you. The gospel charges you. But also, be okay when the gospel disciplines you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. God, thank you that you are kind to us, even in the midst of our unfaithfulness. God, you are kind. God, may, may we be reminded every single day that you came to save sinners just like us so that we may declare and show to the world how good, how merciful, how gracious, and how kind you are. And Father, I pray for opportunities this week for us to declare the good news of Jesus to those around us. And Father, even, even when we're nervous, would we step into that and be faithful? Father, as we move into this time of invitation, God, would you work and move on our hearts? and change who we are. God, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.